Good morning, podcast. Welcome to the Pierre T. Lambert Show. I am Pierre, your host, and today I've got special guest myself. <laughs> Just kidding, guys. Uh, this is actually a live Q&A that happened on YouTube. I condensed it and brought out only the best questions just for you. So if you're interested in those topics, please listen. You're going to get a ton of values. So we're going to be talking about girlfriends and relationships mixed with cameras. Can you make it work or is it difficult? UV filters, are they useless or not? Light meters mode, which one is the best to use? What was my first camera? why I don't like variable ND filters, essential travel gears, how to recover wet gear, yep, that might happen, your gear gets under the rain, what can you do to actually make it work again after, what are my different streams of income and what's gonna happen in the future also, and just in general, should you go for APS-C, should you go for full frames, there are a lot of gear questions, so if you're slightly into gear, guys, this is gonna be a perfect episode for you. Also, want to give you a big shout out, guys, because you've been absolutely awesome and there's been a lot of new faces on YouTube. So thank you so much for the support. Thank you for joining me in this adventure. It's absolutely madness right now. I'm just loving it so deeply. And I love receiving your messages, uh, hearing that this, what I'm creating, is actually helping you out. So that's awesome. Uh, thank you so much. If you like it, please remember, share that episode. And also, uh, I... I don't know if I asked you already, but can you leave it a five-star rating on iTunes and a comment, uh, leave it a review? It really, really helps. Uh, it pushes it a little bit up and can help more people. So with no further ado, let's get right into all your questions from the live. Let's go. What was your first camera when you started photography? So I would say there were two ways I started photography. The first one was just as an amateur, just for fun, but I don't think that's the question uh, you're asking. I think you're asking when I went in pro mode, when I really tried to make it something, when I tried to make a living out of it, or just when I tried to really up my game, because you can up your game but not want to monetize it. That's totally fine. A lot of people love their job, they just want to take awesome photos on the side. That's how I think uh, most of us should do it, actually. I moved to a 5D Mark II uh, with a 50mm 1.8. That was my first lens. And or no, my second lens and the first one was 1740 f4. It was a 1740 f4, and in hindsight, it was a good lens, but I would have taken something different. So what happened after is that I started shooting maybe couples, maybe people who were how do you call that, who were uh, in low light conditions during weddings and all that, and I felt that the 5D Mark II at the time was really limiting me in a way, or I just didn't feel comfortable. Because the more the beginner you are, the better it is to have a good camera that can actually help you recover from your mistakes. And that might be counterintuitive, but let's say I have a very good dynamic range uh, and then I mess up a few shots in terms of exposure, I can get it back. But if I have a camera that has a very small dynamic range, I'm gonna be screwed. The photo is gonna be awful, and then my client's not gonna be happy. Happy, happy, I can't speak. <laughs> so I moved to a Nikon D750 at the time it just came out and it was an incredible camera, dynamic range was excellent and I had to sell it in January because um, I moved to Sony. Uh, I was trying to do everything in one camera, video and photo, but that's for another story. Francesco is asking, in one of your latest videos you said that you prefer center-weighted metering why do you prefer that instead of multi? So the reason is whenever I'm shooting people or when I have scenes with people, 
it's really nice to have the center weight because most of my subjects are usually in the center. What happens if I'm in full multi? What happens is that it's usually getting very dark. For example, imagine I have one third of the sky uh, on top of buildings on the street, but my subject is in the lower two thirds. My photo is always going to end up being darker than it's supposed to be. And that's why I go center weighted. It really helps uh, uh, get more of the light metering in the middle versus everywhere. Now, I will say I use a lot the multi. And guys, if you don't know what the multi is, multi is when you can, it's basically your camera is kind of measuring the light all over the image almost uniformly. And I use it a lot, but um, since uh, for a little bit I've changed back to center weight so I go back and forth between those two if I shoot people center weight or spot and if I shoot landscape or street uh, usually it's uh, overall uh, multi-metering. Randy is now asking hey Pierre what lens do you use for most street city photography? So the one I use the most for street is <laughs> uh, kind of true and not uh, is the 1635 2.8 which I'm filming with right now so you guys can't see it I don't think you can see it I really really love that lens because it's super fast it gets me a very shallow depth of field and it's great for filming because at 16 millimeter it stabilizes or you don't see as much the camera shakes and when I'm shooting in the street I can always go to 35 millimeter which is a focal length I love and shoot at 2.8. Now I have this baby the 72.2.8 the 7200 which is an incredible lens I love using it uh, but I have to say sometimes I'm just lazy to take it out of the bag and putting it on the camera. Not lazy in the sense that I don't want to do it it's just that once it's on I'm gonna be shooting a lot with it and I like to go back and forth easily and when you changing lens for that is actually very heavy it's kind of difficult love that lens but I would get a 85 millimeter 1.8 for street definitely although if you listen to the podcast what's his name uh, Colin Colin if you're still watching Colin shoots with a 7200 every day when he goes to work and I think it looks good so Pedro is asking hey Pedro we have the same name but different language how do you focus on landscape photography to have a back and foreground sharp? Uh, Pedro, I think that goes back to aperture mainly. Meaning, you, you know how aperture works. If you are at a very small f-stop, for example f1.8, you're going to have a depth of field that is very shallow. But if you actually increase your aperture, uh, your f-stop number, if you increase that to, for example, 8 to 14, you're gonna have a lot in focus in your image. So when you're shooting with wide-angle lenses, very quickly you're going to have everything in focus because it's a wide-angle lens. But if you're shooting with that, for example, and then you want to have the whole image in focus, you want to be shooting at f8, 10, 11, 12, 14, all that. It's gonna look very sharp. And I highly recommend you to try to shoot at different uh, apertures just for you to see in your camera how it reacts and depending on the lenses you use you might have a preference and sometimes for example in landscape I do prefer shooting at shallow aperture because the whole foreground is not interesting to me I want to get people really to look at the background Jerry and I think you've got a good quality does UV filters make a huge difference in the quality of photos um, they're supposed to make zero difference on paper meaning it's supposed to be as good but the truth is I 
kind of stopped using them because I use uh, polarizing filters and then the filters a lot so taking it on and off is a problem but if you have a very expensive piece of glass like that get a good uh, UV filter like an expensive one the reason is if you buy a $2,000 lens, you don't want to put a crappy piece of glass on front of it. That's going to have a lot of weird reflection and all that. What you want is really to have the best quality possible so that there is no difference between straight out of the camera like that, uh, the lens, uh, the glass, and putting another layer on top. And you might realize it will change sometimes the flares you get in your lenses. So maybe try one filter if you don't like it return it and and see which one fits uh, the best you need but i stopped using uv filters because they're not really doing anything for me i always have the lens on except when i <laughs> drop that camera jonathan is saying i just want to ask how you manage your relationship wife with photography <laughs> that's a good one me and my girlfriend love to travel but sometimes uh, I don't have much time to shoot because I feel bad making her waiting. Wow, that is a huge question and it is a very, very important, um, I think, in a relationship. So first I want to say that no matter what kind of relationship you are in, it's very important to have mutual respect for each other and each other's passions and interests in life. Which means if you like, if someone else likes something different, you should respect that time that they're going to use and consecrate, uh, dedicate to that craft. Because this is what defines you as an individual. It is what passionates you and what you create. And if someone is trying to tell you don't do it, that is not good. That is not a good relationship. That is not sane. Now, if it's just a matter of maybe like me, like you're with your girlfriend, you're going in the street, it looks beautiful, and you're like, oh, I really want to take some photos, but uh, she's with me, I don't really have the time and all that. If that's the case, it happens to me very often, what I recommend to you is wake up earlier or try to take your own time alone to do it because it will make a di big difference. I also sometimes just go out and shoot and I'm going to spend the whole morning shooting, for example, shooting the, the photos and then shooting the video because guys, it takes quite some time to shoot those. And I know that I don't have a time constraint. No one's waiting on me. And that's where I feel the most at ease to actually do it. And in terms of photography, if you're with someone it's the same, just tell them, hey, I'm going to be shooting. Maybe wait for me in that coffee shop. I'm going to be back in 30 minutes and that's great. Or, or uh, just thought about that because we did the challenge with Sean Tucker. If you watched it, let me know if you liked it. We, you can actually tell your wife, wait for me here 10 minutes, please. And then you go out and shoot for 10 minutes. You literally put a timer and you go and, and shoot for 10 minutes. You do it as a challenge. It's fun. You're going to come back. You're going to be super pumped because you took so many shots that you would have never taken before. And then your girlfriend's going to be happy because she's going to be able to focus her time with you. You're going to be focused on each other versus you always thinking every time you're walking, oh, that's a good shot. Oh, that's a good shot. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, damn it. I missed that one. You don't want to be in that situation. So I hope that answers your question. Uh, we've got Jimmy and Ta asking, what are you guys asking? Okay, Divert Living is asking, what a good cost-effective variable ND? I don't know. I don't use variable ND filters simply because I think they make your footage look kind of ugly in a way. I haven't really seen any beautiful uh, variable ND filters that really shows you 
um, no color cast and no no weird artifact in your images. I always feel like it tends to go to a little bit towards magenta or you get like weird artifacts. So I don't like them. I prefer to have uh, ND filters like fixed one. And right now I'm using, okay, what do we have in here? Uh, that's a polarizing filter without ND and that is an ND filter, ND16 with polarizing. I use it all the time. I had an ND8 that you guys saw me explode uh, in the Maldives and 8 and 16 for me is perfect if you need two filters and if you are cheap, uh, because I know you guys are on a budget, uh, get an adapter ring and buy the biggest filter possible. So it's gonna cost you a lot of money, but because the filter is gonna be more expensive, like for example, those 82 millimeters, they're gonna be, I think, those are the Polo Pros. They are like 250, I think, or $210. But the thing is I can put it on all my lenses with the adapter ring, because that one's 77 uh, millimeter, that one is 82 millimeters. So I bought an 82 millimeter that I can downsize on every lens. It's a quick hack you actually don't need to buy that many filter. You only need for one side. Hope that helps. Um, it makes a big difference, guys. So don't get that weird pink uh, magenta looking footage. Get the real nice one. Uh, get a good filter. It makes a very, very big difference. Even more for polarizing from my experience. Deborah, you have a very good question. How do I prioritize my equipment I take? Well, as you saw, I actually like scaled it down massively, meaning before or when I started the world tour because you guys know I just did a whole year if you if you listen uh, if you watched on Instagram I just posted about it that it's been more than a year so I had 35 millimeter fixed I had uh, 7200 I had a 1635 and I had another lens but what I did is actually decide I'm gonna only take two zoom lenses and so I took the 1635 and I took the 7200 to really cover all the ranges and I want it to be as light as possible but ironically this is not light at, at all so if I had to change maybe either I would change that for 85 1.8 because I can uh, afford to crop a lot or I would just get on with life and be okay with the fact that I'm carrying a very heavy lens everywhere it's like 1.5 kilo it's to be honest, I kind of hate it in my bag, but whenever it's on the lens, I love the results. So Deborah, just to summarize, it's really, when you prioritize your gear, it's really about what is essential. For example, backup solution, essential, lens, essential, filters, uh, what else? One thing to clean the dust, essential. This is essential, like a camera, how do you call that? Um... Uh, memory cards box, essential waterproof, and a timer. And that's all I need. I don't need anything else. I'm checking in my bag. I absolutely need nothing else. Like tripod, I can leave it home because I could live with that or I can live also by just putting my camera on the floor, putting it on my backpack. I mean, I've done crazy things and now I'm able to shoot at very slow shutter speed, even handheld, so it's a big difference. So it's really up to you and what kind of photos you take, but I highly recommend you not to take too many things because whatever you don't use, you really hate it. And also it makes it easier, it pushes your creativity to have less, in my opinion. Adam is asking, do you use a specific app to calculate your shutter speed when shooting long exposure? Never, never. Um, I'm, I'm kind of the anti-technical photographer, so 
I guess that's why most of the people say the tutorials are easy to understand. I don't like technical stuff. I just don't think it makes our photos better so much. Um, so what I do when I shoot at night is simply I'm going to crank up my ISO to maximum. If I can go to 100,000 ISO, I will do that. I'm going to shoot for half a second, a second or even like one tenth of a second at my lowest aperture possible which is going to be like 2.8 for example and I want to see what that image looks and what it looks like is going to help me to compose properly the scene because if you're in the mountain and it's dark well you cannot see where the mountains are where the stars and all that you want to make sure you align and you're composed properly framing and then once that's done I'm going to dial everything down and usually I you could use an app and it's going to be very precise but what I do is I just know, go by feeling. I already know that most of the time when I'm at uh, 2.8, uh, 15 seconds and uh, ISO 3200, I already know that I'm going to get the stars and then usually I go to 20 or 25 seconds after if I need to pump, bump up the light depending if there is a moon, there is no, no moon, there are lights around me or not. And from that I'm just going to experiment. I'm going to take the photo and then I adjust. I, I'm more of an experimental photographer versus a theoretical. I hope that helps. Jurian is asking, have you tried macro photography? What do you think of this type? Uh, yes, Jurian. Actually, you know what? I forgot to mention, I also had a 105 2.8 macro lens that I was carrying with me. I can't believe that. But uh, I love macro. It's really fun. What is really exciting about it is you can take absolutely anything. Like for example, that little, what is that? Crystal, I guess. Uh, and you can definitely create universes within that with a macro lens because you get to see something totally new and different which means you could stay in your home the whole day and shoot incredible things. Now uh, I don't really do it uh, just because of the type of photography. I'm really an outdoor guy. I love being outdoor and shooting outdoor so uh, I, don't, I don't really do it that much. Next question. Do you shoot with APS-C sensored cameras or only use full frame? I now use only full frames, but I might get a 6500 just for like super, um, whenever I cannot take my big camera and also to film myself with a big camera, as I mentioned. So I wouldn't recommend you to change to APS-C or change to full frame. I would highly encourage you to play around with new lenses, maybe prime lenses, very good lenses on your A6 3000. I don't think you're limited at all. The only limitation is here and is marketing usually that tells you you need that other camera because it has more pixel, because it's full frame, whatever. Nope, I'm telling you, you have got an awesome camera, A6 3000 is great. Uh, so try new lenses, go in a shop, try a bunch, see which one you feel the best with and that's gonna help. By the way guys, if you're ever buying uh, stuff on Amazon and you, you want to support the channel at the same time and it won't cost you anything, if you go to my website under the gear section, first of all, you can see all the gear I have, but I have a few links. So if you're in the US, uh, hit the link before you buy it. Uh, I usually get a little commission back, which is cool because it doesn't cost anyone anything more. So just saying, just saying. <laughs> Thanks a lot for the support, everyone. Paul, you're asking a great question. Focus stacking. Who knows what focus stacking is? I want to know. Let me know in the comments. Oh, I forgot to ask you. Also, please, in the chat, can you let me know where you're watching from right now? Are you in the US? Are you in Europe? Are you in Asia? I want to know exactly where you are because I think it's fun. So maybe I can drop a few hellos in your language. Um, focus stacking. Yes. So focus stacking is... 
something you can do in camera or in post. It's basically you take several shots of the same thing on a tripod. Everything's exactly the same at different um, uh, focus points. Uh, different, uh, yeah, at different focus points. Basically, you should, for example, you focus on the background and foreground and at different points, and then you bring everything in post and you stack it together, which means you're gonna have the whole image in focus from the back of the image towards the front of the image. I don't do it personally, Paul, because I hardly ever need uh, to have everything in focus. I would probably do it if I did macro or if I needed really, um, if I were shooting objects, for example, if I were to shoot that bird and I wanted uh, more of the body in focus, I would totally do that. But it's a great um, technique to use. My friend Aaron from the channel Flurn, guys, if you know it, leave a thumbs up, is actually uh, using it a lot. For example, he was shooting plants the other day, interior plants, look absolutely stunning what he shot, and he was doing focus stacking. Okay, any advice on how to start selling fine art prints? Le Brigand. I have advice. I didn't apply any, so take it for what it's worth. One sec. What happens is if you're selling prints, it's always the same problem, I would say. You need to have someone to sell it to, correct? So if you already have an audience on Instagram, if you have people following you, that's great. That's a good way. Or if you have connection with galleries, with local bars that want to buy it or um, there are clubs a lot of people might be able to actually buy your prints now that is something you might want to think about but if you don't know who you're going to sell it to i think it's very important to look into that first before selling prints you have marketplaces that are really good nowadays that are going to take care of the whole printing thing and you just upload your photos and people can actually buy them directly so if you have anything that really differentiates yourself from the, the crowd on that marketplace, I think you can do well. Uh, I don't do it. I'm planning to uh, prepare limited edition in prints uh, for you guys if you're ever interested. More geared towards, for example, the world tour I did. I want to make some special series about that 12 by 12 project. Um, and then I would directly sell it uh, through my website, maybe have a partner that would take care of the printing and shipping, but that's it. I don't think I would put it on the marketplace, to be honest. So that's a way you could do it. I was told I can buy a low budget camera and use a good lens to achieve the super quality. How true is that? Um, yes, 100% true. Like, to me, 100% true, unless it's really terrible camera what i would do is i would look at in the past five eight years what camera was really good um, that a lot of people bought and kept for a long time for example nikon d750 or others older and i would get that camera secondhand for cheap and i would buy a very good lens that is what i recommend to some of you guys who are dming dming me if you buy for example a Canon Rebel, a Nikon, uh, the, the new Nikons and all that. Um, but the entry level ones, I think you're gonna lose in a way, there is a trade-off, meaning you're gonna get something new with a better sensor, but if you don't get a better lens, it's not gonna make a big difference. I think most of us, at least for me, I always wanted that shallow depth of feel, nice book in the background, looking good, uh, making it crisp and sharp, and this you can literally only achieve it with a very nice lens in my opinion or if you have a phone now that does like the weird fake bokeh but 
You can still, I mean, most people can't tell, but I can still tell if it's fake or not. Jerry, I mistakenly took out the lens outside. Now the images get really blurry and smoggy. You grab, okay guys, that might have happened to you. Your lens went in the rain. Your lens, I don't know what happened. Maybe you went in the steam room, the sauna, the hammam with your lens, a bad idea. Well, next time, don't do that. But if you, if you need to fix it, you take your lens, you put it in a bag of rice. Uh, I don't have a bag, but for example, if you have a small lens, you, put, you fill that with rice, you put your lens in the middle, you close it, you wait for 24 or 48 hours, it's gonna absorb all the humidity you have in the lens and then it's gonna work again. Same if you ever drop a phone in a pool or a camera, electronics, and it's not salt water, you can do that and you might have to wait longer, but it's literally going to absorb everything and after most likely it will work again. Another question, can I differentiate a crop sensor and a full sensor, which is better? Um, that's a good question, APS-C or full frame? You guys might be asking yourself that question a lot. Well, here's my short answer uh, to that question. It's really up to you, it doesn't really matter, both are really good. Now, what you can achieve with a full frame is a little bit different than the APS-C, just in terms of depth of field. The reason is, you're gonna have a shallower depth of field at the same aperture on a full frame sensor versus a crop sensor. So, if your goal is to have as shallow as possible, be as shallow as possible, then you might be getting a full frame camera. But, if I'm very honest, I have 1.4, uh, I had uh, lenses at 1.4, and I remember I wasn't shooting very often at 1.4, I would shoot at 1.8 or 2.8 a lot, but 1.4 not that much. So um, with an APS-C camera, with an APS-C sensor, you would get a 1.8 lens and you would be fine, you would get the same result as shooting at 2.8 or 2.4 or 2 with your, with your full frame. So keep that in mind because um, a lot of people might be jumping the ship to get the full frame when it's not worth it because it costs a lot more money. How good is Canon 60 Mark II in India? Um, I mean, it's it's decent. I have a friend, he shoots with it. He does video with it also. It's decent. Is it the best one out there on the market? Do you need the best out one on the market? That is a question you have to ask yourself. Uh, if you can get a good price on it, get it. But if it's the same price as another camera that might have better specs, then go for the other camera because just because it's Canon and 6D Mark II and a lot of influencers talked about it, what they might not have told you is that Canon literally sent that camera to everyone because they just couldn't, I, I don't know if they couldn't sell it, but they sent it to absolutely a lot of influencers and paid a lot of them to do a video on it. That's why you saw a huge surge of 6D Mark II videos on YouTube at one point. So whenever you see that happen, please uh, keep that in mind. Pixel 3, same, uh, they sent those uh, phones to a lot of people, including me. I'm very excited about it, but just keep that in mind. Uh, it happens sometimes that brands are really good at pushing something. I still don't think the 60 Mark II would be the my choice if I had to choose. Um, if I had Canon lenses, I would go for it. Otherwise, I would just wait like a year and get one of their new mirrorless cameras or a secondhand EOS R. Just saying. What is the best way to earn money with pictures? Is asking Dominic Mariotti. So Dominic, uh, are you asking that question because you already shot the photos or because you want to shoot the photos to make money? 
That is very different. One, you can go to a bank of images and drop your images here on the stock sites and try to make some money. Now you have to know that you make a lot less money than you used in the past because there's so many images on the web now. And even Unsplash kind of like gave everything for free. A lot of photographers uploaded for free here. High quality images that anyone can use for commercial purposes. So uh, yeah, it's really competing with stock agencies. So stock agency is a great way. And then after, if you want to shoot specifically photos to make money, then you will have to decide. It's really up to what do you like? Do you like to shoot portraits? Do you like to shoot landscape? Do you like to shoot macro? Do you like to shoot products? And based on that, uh, become the best at it or at least the best in your town or one of the best and then approach people to uh, offer you services. I, I was thinking of doing a, a video on that lately, but I mean, there are a bunch of videos online. I don't know if... Uh, I should do it because I don't want to be repeating what everyone else is seeing that's something I, I really don't enjoy so let's go back to what are the different streams of income uh, currently I have YouTube ads as one I have the presets as number two uh, presets uh, thanks uh, first thanks for all of you who got the presets I've got some good feedbacks from some of you that everyone sent feedback so if you try them and you like them please let me know it really helps because uh, the next version I will make also I really want to make them even better if possible with different styles maybe more contrasted styles um, but it's again it's presets that I use all the time to edit all my photos and I want to make them workable I'm not trying to suddenly have a autumn, autumn mood and then suddenly have a snow moon and then look like I'm in, in Star Wars. You know, it's really, I'm trying to keep something consistent across my styles, but I want to have small differences that makes an image uh, a little bit more like a tropical feel, you know, like warmer, another one a little bit cooler, another one more like nighttime-ish for the street. So anyway, um, I'm going on a rant because I, I've seen and tried a lot of presets and I was like, oh my God, how, how can anyone use those? And my, it's actually, it actually came from a friend who is Instagrammer, who she bought a lot of presets and she tried them and she was like, there's so many that turn my skin orange or pink or whatever that I just could never use them. So um, yeah, if you ever tried mine, you know, they're totally different. So uh, presets, uh, workshops that I started not long ago, I've got, uh, I did one in London, so workshop is one. Then working with brands, either for shooting for them or creating videos for them, or uh, how do you call that? Or as an influencer, for example, on the travel channel, sometimes we go to places and we are not compensated. Sometimes, sometimes it might be money, sometimes it's just maybe an exchange of services, which is a great thing. And if you're ever wondering, how you can actually uh, travel the world for free. This is one way you just trade your services for some time in a place. And obviously the better your service or your skill, the higher uh, the rank of that place. Uh, it's very important to keep that in mind. Uh, and then what else uh, did I have? I can't remember one sec. Oh yeah, then there is like affiliates, for example, Amazon or others. And there is an online course also that has not been released, but that we talked about. Uh, that you guys know I'm working on and uh, I'm excited to release it. I, I just need to finalize it before. Whew. 
All right, guys, that was a very long live Q&A. I hope you have enjoyed it. Make sure you hit the notification bell on YouTube for next time when I do a live, you get notified and you can ask your questions straight into it. So uh, with that being said, I'm not gonna keep you longer here. I wanna thank you again for the support, for listening, for all that. Uh, if you can leave the review on iTunes, if you haven't done that, that would mean the word to me. And also if you could pass on that episode, maybe there is a section that you think is very important that really resonates with you, tweet it at PRT Lambert, tweet me and let me know what you thought, send me a DM on Instagram, all that. With that being said, guys, I'm preparing a special video over seven days, so super excited about it. Uh, you will learn more when it comes out. With that being said, have an amazing day, get out there, go shoot, and I will see you, hear you, listen to you, talk to you in the next episode. Bye. Oh, guys, also, anchor.fm app, please leave a voice message with your question. Got one. And it's pretty awesome. You will hear it in the next episode. Bye-bye, guys. You can basically leave your own question. I don't know if you know. See you. Bye.